0: I'm Teller Emmer. The following sermon audio is from The Well, a ministry of the University Church of Christ in Malibu, California. Thanks for listening. It's Good to be back with you this evening. It's good to see this amphitheater filled up with people worshiping God. I love watching from the back as people are just pouring their hearts out before Jesus. So thank you for blessing me like that this evening. Um, before we get started, I want to share a quick story of something that happened to me last Friday. After I shared um, my little muscle milk incident here last week, a student approached me on Friday morning and said, Thank you so much for your message last night. And I um, said, well, of course, I'm glad uh, that you enjoyed it. And he said, well, no, actually, I've been having stomach aches. and..." your message inspired me to go back and check the expiration date on my protein powder. And turns out it was expired as well. So just saving lives is what I do. That's right, mysterious ways. Practical preaching right there. Does anybody, maybe, maybe people who have been here in previous years, remember the old screen we used to have here at the well? The, the, the little one, yeah, okay. Good. It was about a 48-inch um, little screen on a tripod that we would put down in the corner, and it would blow over in the wind, and sometimes, or, or pretty much all the time, at least a third of the people here probably couldn't read the lyrics because for these people, it was behind the speakers, and for these people, it was just too far away. For the people in the back, there were people between them and the screen, and nobody could see it. Well. It wasn't a great situation, but that changed at the beginning of this summer when the chapel, Stauffer Chapel, underwent a, a renovation in their AV equipment. And we were blessed to be given access to the old chapel projector. And that's what we're using now. Uh, and our team was able um, to, to get this system going. And it's so much better. I'm so glad that everybody can, can now see the lyrics and be on the same page and, and follow along in scripture when we get to this part of the evening, but do me a favor and just for a couple seconds look at this screen. Now imagine something with me. Imagine we were able to embed a sensor in your mind that was able to capture audio visual recordings of your thoughts. And imagine with me that we projected the thoughts you had today right here on this screen for everybody to watch. Now I don't know about you, for me that's a really uncomfortable thought, right? Because I don't always just think great thoughts. If if you were to play back my recording, there would mostly be just incoherent junk, but then there'd be the occasional little pearl or nugget and it'd be good, but the stuff people would remember is the negativity, the, the embarrassing things, the dumb things. That's the stuff that I assume would probably stick with everybody who watched my thought reel. So it's a little bit uncomfortable for me to think about my thoughts being projected up there. It'd be similar if I asked um, the, the same question about your internet search history, right? Statistically, most of the people here have a good mix of things, but there's some stuff that's embarrassing or stuff that could get you in trouble with friends or or loved ones or things like that. Now, let's take it um, away from the screen. Uh, Imagine that maybe in high school, you did something really bad and it kind of tainted your name in high school. And then you came to Pepperdine and you were excited because that was behind you. But everybody here knew before you showed up the bad thing that you had done. And when you showed up on campus, your professors knew you as that person who did that thing. And your sweet mates knew you as that person who did that thing. The the people in the cafeteria, the people who take care of our campus, the administration knew you and, and, and thought that's basically all they needed to know about you is that you're the person who did that terrible thing. I imagine none of us would, would make it very long and would, none of us would stick around in a community where we were known as the person who did that terrible thing. It's kind of silly to think like that, um, but we're actually looking at a story tonight of a person in this exact situation. Um, this the story is found in Luke's account Of the life of Jesus. Now Luke is interesting because he's kind of an academic. He's a physician and a historian, and he presents a story of Jesus's life that contains more varied characters than some of the other ones. Specifically, we get more female characters, and this is noteworthy because at this time, female characters didn't get a lot of screen time in ancient writings. And in Luke's writings, we get a lot more about The women. And and interestingly, the women tend to be the good guys in the story. But this evening, we're looking at a story about a woman who is known to her community, a woman who's known in her city to be a sinner. We don't get more than that. We don't know um, exactly what that means, but we know that she was known to be a sinner. And our story starts like our story did last week, with someone inviting Jesus to dinner. Um, in, in those days, that was a pretty common thing to host a teacher And this night, the host was named Simon And Simon was a Pharisee And, and we've touched on the Pharisees last week And it's probably a review for some of you But I want to, to briefly recap who the Pharisees are and, and what was going through their minds during the time Jesus lived The word Pharisee means separate Separate These are people who have separated themselves from the rest of Jewish culture because of the advent of Roman occupation of Israel. So when Rome came and conquered Israel, they brought with them Roman stuff. They brought Roman gods. They brought Roman clothes. They brought Roman parties. They brought Roman foods. And these were things that the Pharisees saw as threats and separated themselves from culture in order to be the true, pure followers of God's law amidst a world that was crumbling into chaos and disarray around them. So this is, this is kind of the perspective that Simon has as one of the Pharisees, as one of the separate dinner in Israel, when, when a host would invite someone to dinner, it was a little different than we would imagine now as well. Simon invited Jesus over for dinner, but left the door open. Dinners at that point were, if you were invited as a teacher to come in, you would come in for a, an evening of, of academic conversation or, or theological conversation, and people would be able to come listen to to. The teacher and the host discuss, maybe debate the finer points of whatever it was probably in Simon's mind. At this point, it was going to be the Torah. And so it's not weird that, there's, that our main character is present, okay? There's, there's multiple people who would have come in to listen and to watch and observe this dinner. So she comes in, and she's described as, depending on your translation, either a sinful woman or a woman who had li- lived a sinful life. And, and nowadays, it's easy to think, oh, uh, it, it's the Bible. It was written a long time ago, referred to as a sinner. She was probably a prostitute. That, that's a possibility. That very well could be. It might even be likely that she was. But we don't know that for sure. It's never said that she's a prostitute. Uh, and believe it or not, in those days, much like today, there's... Um, of a whole spectrum of different sins that a person could commit besides just prostitution. So we don't know for sure it's possible. What we do know is everybody knew about it. Her reputation was the sinful woman. So when she showed up at dinner, it wasn't interesting or it wasn't weird that someone showed up at dinner. It's that she showed up in that space because she came to a space where she would not fit in with the religious types who are sitting around discussing theology. She would have stuck out like a sore thumb. But we know something else about her. She came prepared. She brought an expensive bottle of perfume to anoint Jesus' feet with as a way to bring him honor and as a way to express her gratitude for being in his presence. This means this is likely not her first exposure to Jesus. It's possible, it's likely that she's either been following Jesus and hearing his teaching, or at least heard enough about his teaching to understand that he's painting this picture of a whole flipped, upside down righteousness culture where even sinners can access the grace and the blessings of God. And that has changed her life enough to the point where she has purchased this perfume and showed up at this place she doesn't belong to anoint Jesus' feet. And I, I was just trying to imagine the scene playing out as I was thinking through this story and and Jesus comes in and the way tables worked in those days, he would have laid on the ground reclining on a pillow on his left arm with his feet extended out behind him. And she would have come up behind him to his, to his feet and, and as she draws near to this person who is saying these radical things that, that change how she needs to think about herself, she's overcome with emotion to the point that she starts to cry and as she's kneeling down trying to anoint his feet with this perfume, the tears are coming down her face and, and landing on Jesus' feet And as they land on Jesus' feet, they start to leave trails, of uh, little muddy trails down the soles and tops of his feet. Now, that shouldn't have happened. Jesus' feet should have been clean because the tradition at that time was for a host to welcome an honored guest with a basin of water and a slave to wash their feet for them. But Simon didn't do that when Jesus came in. So as this woman is is anointing Jesus' feet, she's crying and the tears are coming down and landing on Jesus' feet and starting to make a bit of of a muddy mess. And she unbinds her hair and starts to wipe his feet with her hair. And this is an important picture because in that culture, a woman's hair was the most glorious part of herself. And to wipe anyone's feet with your hair was a hugely humiliating and humbling thing to do and i can't imagine simon was too happy about this i can't imagine he was a big fan of this the sin or the sinner this sinful lady coming in to his dinner party, where he is going to spend the night talking high culture and theology with this traveling rabbi who's got this great reputation, and this lady comes in and is making this embarrassing, scandalous scene that's distracting everyone from the meat of the message, the meat of the conversation that Simon is trying to have with Jesus. But the fact that it's happening and it's playing out this way tells Simon everything he needed to know about Jesus. So he's heard about this guy. And, and, and he's heard that he's teaching great things. And he thinks maybe he's a prophet, but he doesn't know. So he wants to, to quiz him a little bit. But the fact that this man, this teacher, is allowing this kind of contact with a sinner and a sinful woman tells him everything he needs to know if this if this man was a prophet there's no way he would allow this there's no way that he would let her come anywhere near him he may not be from around here he might not know her past but if he was a prophet he would and jesus knew what he was thinking it could have been that jesus read his mind you know He's he's Jesus, so he could have done that. But I imagine he didn't need to. I imagine it's written all over Simon's face as well as everyone else there because this is a scandalous thing that is happening. And Jesus turns to Simon and says, Simon, I have something to tell you. It's Simon, having already written him off as a prophet, says, tell me, teacher. And Jesus tells Simon this story of two people who owed a moneylender money. One owed a lot, about two years' wages. And one owed just a little bit, a couple months. But neither of them were able to pay it back, so so the moneylender forgives them. And he says, you know what? You're good. Don't worry about paying it off. And Jesus asks Simon, who do you think is more grateful? Who do you think loves that moneylender more? Now, we're all Pepperdine people here, so I imagine um, we know a little bit about debt. We might answer similar to Simon, right? Probably the one with the greater debt was more grateful. And we would be right if we answered that way. Jesus was like, yep, you got it. And at this point, he finally turns to the woman who is at his feet behind him. And he points out that she's demonstrated that she's far more grateful to Jesus Than Simon is. And since Jesus is in a position where he's able to forgive sins and cancel that type of debt, based on the story that Jesus told, based on the response that Simon gave, she's more aware of her debt than Simon is. Simon isn't particularly loving. He he doesn't treat Jesus particularly well because he isn't aware that there's a need for forgiveness in his life. In his mind, He's kind of been doing it right the whole time. But the story ends with Jesus telling the woman her sins, which have followed her, which have defined her, which people have whispered about behind her back. Maybe people have mocked her openly for them. Those sins have been forgiven and erased. And as we think about getting real this semester... This woman has given an amazing example of recognizing the problem, recognizing the sin in her own life, owning it in front of others, and bringing it to Jesus, trusting that his perfection, his grace, his divinity will erase and and consume all of that from her life. Simon, on the other hand, has not gotten real with himself. He doesn't see the need for forgiveness, so he doesn't see the need to love. Now contrast this with the woman who knows she tends to make bad choices. Choices that hurt God, choices that hurt people. But she loves him so much that she's willing to get real in front of other people. She enters into a place where her sins are up on the big screen for everyone to see, and everyone there is judging her harshly for the things she's done. But she's bold enough to show up and to receive her forgiveness from Jesus. I imagine that for the sinful woman, it would have been easier to stay home that night. It would have been easier to not go to the place where as a a reputably sinful person, there's a lot of religious people gathered. It would have been easier for her to avoid that space like the plague. It's just one house. But instead, she was bold enough to show up and show up humble. And to show up in a space where Simon was trying to establish his position over Jesus. Just trying to to figure out if if he had any sort of value that he could add to Simon's life. And in the process of posturing and self inflation um, of his own holiness, Jesus called Simon out. He called Simon out as a person who doesn't love him at all, actually. And he, in that room full of religious people, points to this sinful woman as an example. As, as something that they should emulate for her repentance, not judge based on things that she'd done. You showed up here tonight broken. It's just a fact. You're human, you showed up. You showed up broken. Maybe you came to this space tonight feeling A little bit like Simon. Maybe you're feeling like, you know, things are going well. You're you're not identifying much struggle in your life. You you, you think, you know, I've got it pretty well put together at this point. Maybe you can think of plenty of people who are worse than you. But if, if you are, if you're in that space tonight, I encourage you to take a little bit closer look, a little deeper look at the story Because Simon's focus on this woman was stuck on her past. Simon's focus was stuck on what he knew about this woman's past, so much so that he missed the transformation that had occurred in her life that had brought her to the feet of Jesus. And in the middle of her repentance, and in the middle of this moment where she is broken and trying to turn it all around, Simon's judging her based on what she has done in the past. Don't be like Simon. Maybe the people that jump into mind if I say, think of people who are worse than you. They're not. So I have two challenges for people tonight who might be identifying a little bit with Simon. The first one is to look for the good in those people that you feel better than. And the second is to look for the not so good in yourself. So that you can begin this process of getting real with yourself. Maybe tonight you showed up and you don't feel like Simon. Maybe you feel like this sinful woman. Maybe you've identified a major issue in your life. Maybe you have multiple major issues that you see in your own life. Maybe you have something that you feel like defines you, defines who you are. And is something that maybe you think, we all think, defines who you are. Maybe you've gotten real with yourself enough to know that there's a problem. Maybe you've gotten real with yourself enough to know that that problem needs to come to light in your community and in your conversations with God. So I have two challenges for you as well tonight. The first one is to talk to someone. To talk to someone close to you. Talk to someone you can trust to walk beside you and to support you and to not judge you in the the exposure of whatever this issue or these issues are in your life. And the second challenge I have for you tonight, if you're coming here feeling like the sinful woman, is to hit your knees, to bring it to Jesus. Because he's already demonstrated that there's no need to fear That You don't need to get it together before you bring it to him. We we just read a story about someone who didn't have it together, and we saw how he reacted and how he responded to her. My prayer this evening is that those of us who feel like Simon can acknowledge our hurts, our brokenness, and the value of those people that we feel better than. My prayer is that those of us who feel like the woman tonight can understand there's nothing that's too much for Jesus to forgive. And that all of us can be bold enough to look our brokenness in the eye, to look our shortcomings in the eye, and to come to God with our hurt. Will you bow your heads and pray with me as evening?